I'm on till I'm on the island. My life's riding on an autobahn on autopilot. Before I touch dirt, I'll kill y'all with kindness. I kill ya. My natural persona is much worse. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. Balls from the horn of a unicorn. Y'all niggas in the lick max low. Y'all facts know. Claiming you banging, you flaming. Bet you can light your own cigarette with your asshole. Me and Shady dead at the past. So that basically resurrected my cash flow. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And if you recall the podcast with Douglas Pike, Bitcoin scaling debate, we talked about how Bitcoin is having trouble scaling on the blockchain. And we also talked about different solutions. Well, the company that I have interviewed today for this episode made a solution. And that solution is Zilliqa. And their solution is sharding. And their transactions on the blockchain are fast. How fast? Well, we'll listen to Dr. Xin Shu Dong, CEO and founder of Zilliqa. But before we get into that conversation, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. That's Crypto101Podcast.com. There you can find links to their social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Our Facebook group is growing. Great place to get information, ask people about different aspects of the blockchain, things that you want to know. Crypto101 Facebook community is there for you. You can also send us an email, say what's up. You want to come on the show. You just want to say hi, how are you doing? Send us an email. You also can find our Patreon page. Our Patreons are helping us maintain this podcast. They're paying for our servers, our websites, any of our hosting networks. We really appreciate it. So please come to our Patreon and subscribe to be a patron of Crypto 101. And also go to iTunes, rate us, and leave us a comment. Those rating comments help us move up the line as well as your listenership so that we can be found and people can listen to Crypto 101 and these amazing interviews with people like Dr. Dong of Zitlika. So without further ado, here is the doctor. Dr. Dong, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. Hi, Matthew. Thank you. Doctor, you are the CEO and founder of a company called Zilliqa. And Zilliqa is trying to solve some problems that are happening on the blockchain right now. Could you tell us that story? What are the problems that blockchain is having? So, you know, Zilliqa is trying to solve at least two problems. So the primary problem is something we call uh, scalability. And then the second problem has something to do with security. So if you look at scalability of today's public blockchain, what it means is, is, you know, blockchains are fantastic. You know, they are getting more popular, more people are are using them. Uh, The issue is uh, then as more and more people and more and more apps are using the blockchain, you need, uh, you know, sort of a higher processing capacity. So in the old days, let's say if you can process three transactions a second, that would be fine. But nowadays, you know, we have, you know, popular games. And then during some you know, peak hours, you need to process many more transactions every second than that. And if you sort of cannot keep up with that kind of processing power, and then transactions will get delayed. So that is this uh, scalability issue Zilliqa tries to address. And then secondly, we also want to have a new smart contract layer, which will sort of address this problem that uh, today's smart contracts are very, uh, very rich in terms of their functionality. But then... Um, programmers will write their logic into the smart contracts with some intended behaviors, 
But then the smart contracts can add up with, you know, different behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, that can cause bugs and, and, you know, some security vulnerabilities. So that is the second problem we try to address on Zilliqa. That's interesting. Let's talk about that first problem first. Scalability, transactions. I think that you're trying to do a public blockchain to be able to process thousands of transactions a second. Why do we need such speed and why can't we scale the current blockchain to meet those requirements? You know, I think I think you know not all applications or not all decentralized applications running on blockchain today will require that sort of you know throughput. So maybe most of them don't. There are indeed some applications that require high throughput, and if we cannot do that on blockchain, then you can't run such apps on blockchain. Mm-hmm. So one example is you know let's say digital advertising. So this is one of these uh, pilot projects where we are working with our partners, and in this particular case, we are working with Mindshare. So then, now the question is actually the opposite. The question is whether thousands of transactions uh, a second is sufficient. You know, because if you look at these uh, impressions of ads, basically, you know, how many ads are shown, um, you know, every day, they can have billions of ads every day. Right. But then today's blockchains can mostly process about uh, 1 million transactions a second. Actually, there's a huge mismatch. If you cannot keep up with that kind of high volume, you know, Things will be fine, you know, they can just run as, as their existing systems, but then you will not be able to leverage the, the security, the decentralization, the openness, you know, the immutability of a blockchain. Mm-hmm. So that is why you need to, you know, look at a much higher throughput for particular applications. I understand. The second question is, uh, you know, can we do something on today's blockchain to make them much more scalable? I think the answer would be yes and no. If you make blocks much bigger, so mm-hmm. you can get some scaling factor, right. but then again, you know, super huge blocks are, are difficult to process and, and propagate, and then you'll hit some bottlenecks down the road. Right. So, you know, that's a little bit of scaling. So when we were designing Zilliqa, we were thinking about whether we can sort of retrofit today's blockchain and then make them much more scalable. I think basically we, we gave up halfway. <laughs> we, you know, our conclusion was, you know, we have to change many things. And then when we change those things, these blockchains are no longer today's blockchains. You will no longer be able to maintain the, the, the compatibility with today's applications. Mm-hmm. That is the main reason we had to start with a new chain. So what is Zilliqa then? So Zilliqa is a new public blockchain that leverages some of these, uh, you know, techniques so that it can provide a so-called, uh, you know, linear scalability. That means when you have more nodes, nodes are basically computers running this uh, blockchain protocol. Mm-hmm. When you have more nodes in the network, you can achieve higher throughput. You can process more transactions a second. Mm-hmm. So if you think about this, this is very intuitive and very natural, right? You know, in the beginning, your network would be very small and not too many users, not too many apps. And then when you get some traction, more people like it, they will use it. And, and you know, by some incentive, more people will come in as miners to join your network. And that's the time you would expect the network to sort of scale up, to sort of be able to process more transactions a second when it was a smaller network. So that is sort of the scalability we provide at Zilliqa. Of course, you know, this is very intuitive to think about. It. It's very, you know, challenging technically to achieve it and to achieve it even down the road when, when you can grow, you know, ever larger. So, yeah, that, that is, you know, the main feature of Zilliqa. Of course, Zilliqa also provides a new smart contract language, mm-hmm. as, you know, as we already spoke. The key idea is we want to make smart contract languages much more amenable to 
automatic verification of its correctness and security. Maybe we can go back into a 101 on two different kinds of blockchains. We, we're talking about a public blockchain and a private blockchain. And Zilliqa is a new public blockchain. What does that mean? This, this is a very good question. You know, I, I putting many thoughts into this. Although I don't have the, the final answer, but I think it's very interesting to at least discuss this. So if you look at this um, Satoshi Nakamoto's uh, Bitcoin blockchain, mm -hmm. it's, sort of a, it's sort of a public thing because, you know, it has all these uh, incentive structure uh, so that it makes sure that, uh, uh, you know, as long as most people are good when they join the network, when they run the protocol, then things will be fine. So it has this kind of very strong security property built into the protocols. So that's nice. That's the original proposal of a blockchain. But then over time, people feel that you basically have lots of overhead in ensuring this kind of security and decentralization, which is very nice. But on the other hand, sometimes it's slightly inefficient when you have a different environment. So that is how you know private blockchains came about if you think you are you are an enterprise or you are you know a group of companies who have very strong trust among themselves mm -hmm. and then you don't have to have this level of security and decentralization at the you know at the same time and then by removing some of such you know guarding mechanisms you can easily boost your performance by a very large you know fraction so then, you know, people can sort of customize the blockchain protocol according to their respective needs. Mm -hmm. Then, for example, in the private blockchain setting, you don't need to run proof of work or proof of stake. And then you may have a central, you know, server that somehow people trust. And then you may have a certain, you know, stronger requirements in terms of privacy. And then you can have, you know, an add-on mechanism to that. So then basically it becomes very flexible. Right. So what, what Zilliqa does at this stage is you know, we want to provide a, a new public blockchain platform mm -hmm. just to begin with. You know, that's that's sort of the default setting. But of course, if people have specific needs, you know, our code is already open source at this stage. It's a little uh, restricted license, but we will be releasing the code under a much open uh, and, and liberal license very soon. And then you can just take our code and customize it, you know, take out pieces and adding new stuff and then you know, customize it for, for your particular needs in your, in your company, for example. So that's, that's also a possibility. I see. I see. Will Zilliqa be the fastest? I don't know if, if it's, it's fastest, XYZ. like the technical term. I don't know. But, uh, like, you know, we know how much um, Bitcoin can process, Ethereum can process. Ripple is saying that it's going to do, you know, thousands of, of transactions a second. Is Zilliqa able to scale bigger than Ripple? So if we look at, you know, this term called fast, uh, mm. I, th I think, you know, my understanding the blockchain setting is it means two things. Number one is uh, so-called throughput. And, you know, even throughput can be defined differently. So what we define usually in blockchain is throughput means how many transactions you can process every second. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what we've been talking about. And then this, uh, you know, fast has another another you know perspective, which is called latency. That okay. means from the minute or from the second you're sending this uh, transaction to be processed to that second when the transaction is fully processed, either rejected or accepted onto the blockchain. And then how long is this duration? So, you know, th these are the two aspects we can consider when we talk about, you know, a I fast see. blockchain. And uh, again, even for the first perspective, I would not say that, uh, you know, the throughput of Zilliqa is going to be the highest because, again, you can 
customize your blockchain protocols very heavily according to a different needs. So what we want to uh, strike a balance uh, at is between this scalability or throughput and security and, and decentralization. Mm-hmm. I think to us, that's very important being a, a public blockchain. If you look at some some of the uh, design pro- proposals of blockchains, definitely your throughput will be higher if you can simplify your, your security model. For example, you can if you can trust a smaller subset of nodes who are going to make your decisions whether transactions are going to be accepted or not, and then you can have a higher throughput. But you know that that's that's the choice proposed by some other blockchains. But at Zilliqa, we don't want to do that because we fundamentally believe that security and decentralization are the key cornerstones of a public blockchain. That means we want more nodes to participate in the decision making process, mm-hmm. and that in itself makes it much more resilient, uh, you know, against failures and attacks. Right? You know, right. taking taking down twenty nodes is a completely different story than taking down 200 or even 1,000 nodes. Right. So right. That, that is sort of the design philosophy we have at Zilliqa. I guess kind of a fun question. What does Zilliqa mean? Where did you come up with that name? Yeah, that's really interesting. So we actually had serious, you know, rounds of group, group meetings to, to decide on, on a name for this project. And then, you know, basically Zilliqa won eventually. So if you look at Zilliqa and you replace Z with S and Q with C, so that's something like silica. Mm-hmm. Silica is a plural form of the element silicon. Mm-hmm. And silicon basically, you know, power the whole computing industry. And, you know, our vision on Zilliqa is that this will be the platform that's going to empower the whole new set of high throughput, high volume dApps on blockchain. Awesome. Really cool. If you don't mind, can we just talk about you a little bit? Mr. Dong, Mr. Dr. Xin Shu Dong, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Xin Shu is my first name. Dong is my, is my last name. I'm mainly from this more um, technical background. I did my PhD in, in National University of Singapore, where I researched on how can you make uh, web systems uh, more secure mm-hmm. by redesigning them properly. So, you know, web browsers, uh, web applications, you know, extensions to web browsers, all these kind of systems. How to, how, what can you do to make them more secure? And then afterwards, I worked with a research lab, you know, established by University of Illinois. So where I sort of worked on how can you make software components that are used to control larger scale systems more secure? Mm-hmm. And then you know, today's smart grid, transportation systems, Internet of Things. They, they, are, they are basically a combination. We call them cyber-physical systems. They have these software components. They also have hardware components. And software components sometimes are the more vulnerable part to, to be you know, penetrated by attackers. Mm-hmm. So that, those are some of the problems I started on. And then later, of course, you know, in my spare time, I started to look at blockchain. Mm-hmm. And that got me lots of interest until I found this company. You know, this company was co-founded by, you know, the, one of the professors I worked with. Okay. So then, you know, happily I joined this company to start uh, working on the blockchain. So I already worked on the, the blockchain for like uh, more than one year's time. Mm-hmm. But but for the first one year, I was actually doing uh, private blockchain. And you think about this, you know, just the discussion we had between private and public blockchain. So, right. so actually I have a good understanding of, you know, the difference there because when we're working on the private blockchain, we are mainly focusing on you know performance and uh, you know privacy and things like that. Of course, security is important, but then you you could make lots of assumptions. Then in the public blockchain, you have to face the reality that all the nodes on the internet can be can be can be malicious, right? Mm-hmm. So many things have changed. Many challenges, uh, you know, 
uh, have come. Just to share a little bit, when, when working on this uh, private blockchain, it was largely based on the same scalable blockchain technology, but then again, in the, in the private blockchain setting, people were talking about much smaller scale. You know, they, they don't want to pay too much licensing fee, for example, to right. buy thousands of nodes, and right. then they don't have the manpower to, to maintain them. So uh, usually we end up with 50 nodes or you know, 30 nodes, something like that. And then, so those kind of settings could not really manifest the, the scaling power of our technology. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the main reasons we, we decided to say, you know, although making a public blockchain is a completely new thing, it's very challenging, but we have to do it. You know, that's the only opportunity we'll get thousands of nodes here. And then that's the only opportunity we can get thousands of transactions a second without making Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details much assumption or you know security right you're based in singapore right now yes all oh, right on you you fell in love with security phd in security um making websites safer blockchain natural path because blockchain is a very safe secure tech you found that there was a gap in the needs of the blockchain you're filling that with zilliqa right and i know that you're doing this with something that is called Sharding. I hear Jamie Skella say it in his tweets. Uh, Vitalik is talking about it. Sharding is this word that everybody's throwing around these days. I have no clue what it means. If you <laughs> if you could, could you please just give us a one hundred and one of what is sharding and what Zilliqa is doing in integrating that word into their system or how it works? Sure. I mean, I can give a very high level description. You know that is very straightforward to understand. Okay, cool. So basically, you know, if you if you if you think about a blockchain, that means it's a network of many computers. So these computers are you know interconnected one way or another, and then they need to sort of talk among themselves so that they can decide you know which transaction to be accepted, which transaction is to be rejected. You know, that's mm-hmm. the very high level you know imprecise description of a blockchain. But then if the whole network participates in the same sort of process to determine, you know, whether a, a transaction is valid or not. Sometimes it's a little inefficient, especially when you have many nodes. For one node to send a message to another, it takes lots of time. And then there's lots of redundant work, you know, being validated among different nodes. So what sharding can do at a very high level is to divide this whole network of computers into smaller groups. Mm-hmm. And then let each of the group, uh, each of the groups, uh, process some transactions. Usually they are like a subset of transactions. That I means see. if group one is processing transactions one, two, three, group two will be processing transactions, you know, four and five. I so, see. you know, it's disjoint. And then eventually each group will propose some of these accepted transactions. You aggregate them together and then you make the final block. So this is a very high level description. And the beauty of doing this is, you know, very obviously, when different groups are processing their respective set of transactions, there's some level of you know parallel processing. So that is you know the the source of efficiency we gain from the whole process. I guess what my next idea is 
you said that one group is processing uh, one, two, three, and then it gets divided and four and five is, is being processed separately. Now, what, yeah. if, what if it goes and that you already, you only have five to start and then it goes to a thousand, then it goes to 10,000 and you have to start dividing. How is that divided? Is that an algorithm that decides how, how does, how does it scale with growth? Yes. So, you know, you basically need to address this problem. Uh, how do we divide nodes into different groups? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's, that's a beginning where we are getting to all these very challenging details. So number one is which node goes to which group? And number two is when you have more and more nodes, um, what do we do, right? I mean, you can keep the original groups, you can create new groups, you can reshuffle them. So all these are uh, challenging decisions any any blockchain ha- has to make if you want to do sharding. Right. So for example, at Zitica, what we do is we have a mechanism to let a substantial number of nodes to collectively decide uh, this, this thing. So it's dynamic. Uh, you don't need to worry about new nodes coming in because you know we are just automatically allocating you to some some of the shards, or you know when that shards becomes too big, we we'll, we'll just reallocate, reshuffle, or things like that. So we also think like dynamically uh, grouping nodes into different shards is very important for ensuring security because if nodes are somehow stuck at one shard and they are always there. And attackers will know that as well. They can just, you know, take a long time to to attack these nodes. What do you see Zilliqa growing? You guys are going to be released, I think, for public trading on the 25th. Is that correct? You know, we really cannot comment on that. But uh, technically speaking, we will not lock our, you know, tokens for too long. So very likely, we just need to lock our tokens to ensure that, you know, people will get our tokens and then, you know, they, they can start transferring the tokens. The timeline is roughly that. Okay. Where do you see Zilliqa growing in the next year, three years, and five years? I think at this stage, you know, the, the focus of the team is really twofold. Number one is, you know, there's still, you know, lots of technical challenges we have to overcome. Mm-hmm. We have to, you know, um, solve many problems in terms of, you know, optimization, distributed storage, fault tolerance, you know, there are just many problems to work on. And then we need to release our test net so that people can come and play with it. People can contribute their computing resources so we can form a larger, you know, larger scale test net just to, you know, make sure our ideas are correctly implemented. And then that's that's one side, basically technical milestones. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the second aspect is really to drive adoption. Right. Um, that's why we are, we are, you know, talking to many um, projects. We are also talking to many businesses, just trying to understand, you know, when they want to develop an application on a blockchain, what are the requirements? Of course, I mean, many people are very interested in building apps on Zilliqa, so that's why we will you know, start doing some pilot projects with them. So although Zilliqa is a platform, uh, you know, in, the, in the beginning, we are, we are more than happy to work very closely with you know, businesses and projects to sort of co-develop some of the apps. And uh, you know, we, we, are, we are non-profit. You know, we, our, our mission is just to help them get started to build apps on Zilliqa. And the myths, Achilles and his gold, Achilles and his gifts, and Spider Man's control, and Batman with his fist. And clearly, I don't see myself upon that list. But she said, Where'd you wanna go? How much you wanna risk? I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts. Some if you don't mind, if I would like to go into more general questions. Sure, no problem. What do you think of the market these days? You have Bitcoin at, you know, 
over 10,000, 13,000, 15,000, 20,000. Ethereum is gaining a lot of traction with a with a, a massive market cap. Ripple is over a hundred billion dollars these days. What do you think of this? And what do you, do you think this is a good thing for blockchain? Do you think that we're in a what they everybody calls a bubble? How do you how do you interpret this? I think you know when when things you know look so beautiful, people start to worry that uh, whether this is too good to be true, mm-hmm. right? But but again, I think this if you go to the bottom edge, this is a, a booming market. So you know it's it's actually good for the whole ecosystem to sort of leverage this this current marketplace to develop a real tech. That's mm-hmm. my feeling. You know, we cannot just stop at this. We cannot stop at you know being very happy and complacent about the market cap or, you know, it also doesn't make sense for us to keep worrying about when it will collapse someday because right. <laughs> eventually it goes back to, yeah, what, what kind of things these uh, blockchain projects can deliver, what kind of real world applications that can be built on, on blockchain that will change people's lives. I still feel at this stage, the whole blockchain, you know, industry or ecosystem is about, uh, it's about a potential. It's mm-hmm. about a, very nice promise, right? People right. people realize that. So that's why more and more people coming to this market, then the market of kind of, you know, goes up. And then at some point we have to deliver. Right. We can't just keeping talking about potential without delivering the actual stuff. Right. So you know that's that's my main thought. So what what side of the fence do you fall on? I think there's a couple um, ideologies. There's the practical ideology of blockchain where it's a new technology that's gonna empower companies and be the platform with all the tech that you see now and more built upon and basically the world's not going to change it's just going to operate the same as it does now yet using blockchain technology yet there's the other side that says blockchain technology is going to change the world because it's going to empower the individual it's going to take the power from the banks it's going to take uh, power from the governments and it's going to be more about the people do you think those are Mutually exclusive, inclusive, and, and what side of the fence do you fall on with this? Clearly, I think I think I mean it's not my thing. I mean, if you look at what has happened in the blockchain space, it's more than a technology, right? Mm-hmm. It's way beyond that. It's a whole new model of economy. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new way of raising funds. It's a whole new way of getting your ideas across, you know, in in real products. Mm-hmm. So this this is already happening. Sometimes, you know, some people are a little resistant, so that's why they want to sort of embrace the change in the way that they are more comfortable with. So they want to, you know, just think blockchain as a, as a technology, you know, just like cloud computing, so, you know, it's not too different, it's just a new buzzword. But but I think that's far away from, from the reality. So what we see is, you know, you look at, you know, for example, VC. So now, now, now they are completely changed. For the startups to grow, now the pace is much faster. So all these changes are brought in by by the blockchain. So originally it was a technology, but then it's the whole the, the whole way of doing business, the whole way of you know getting users, the whole the whole new way of you know just right. you know growing your startups. So and it's just the beginning, right? We are not really unlocking the majority part of the potential. Right. So that's that's my my take. If mm-hmm. somebody was going to listen to this podcast and you were going to direct them to a couple people who they should start paying attention to because they have a great message or good information and the 101 beginner wants to get into the space and start looking at different information, who would you direct them to? You know, I think I, I really I really enjoyed, um, you know, my discussion with uh, MP Center. So I think if, if you go to MP Center, they also have, you know, 
various good projects. Of course, I think I really also enjoyed with our conversation today. I, I briefly look at you know what we what you have discussed previously. I think this is also a good source of information. Thank you. But very again, much. but again, I think you know uh, Ethereum is a revolutionary you know, change to, to the whole blockchain space. I mm-hmm. think Bitcoin is wonderful. You know, it's it's the first protocol that somehow uh, comes into production and then people start started to use it. But then the smart contract brought in by Ethereum just changes everything. So now people can build interesting apps on that very quickly. People can really, you know, uh, build even startups around around the whole ecosystem. So I think I think Ethereum is is great. Another question I always ask people that when they come on the show is Crypto 101 is geared to the 101 person. It might be the first podcast they listen to in this space. If they were to listen to this podcast, you are the first person that they heard talking about cryptocurrency. What would you tell them? What would be the piece of advice you'll tell them about getting into this space? You know, my piece of advice would be that, you know, the the whole cryptocurrency space is is very interesting because it sort of uh, originated from from the cool technology. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, not everyone has has a technical background, but I think it's always interesting to look inside the hood and, and understand a little bit at least, you know, how blockchains work. What is the difference, uh, you know, proposed by different blockchains? Because you know, one of the worries people always talk about is there are just too many projects in the cryptocurrency space, and sometimes there's there's unnecessary hype. Mm-hmm. You know, to sort of get away with that, it's it's interesting, and maybe it's also important, like for more and more people to understand a little bit when different projects are talking about, you know, their ideas, their technology, so that then we can do away with much of the hype. We can really, you know, go to the go to the you know gist gist of all these projects. So your the advice would be get away from the hype, look closely at the tech, and find projects that you believe in. I think the hype is also interesting, you know. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the hype is interesting, but but I mean, you can't just stop there, right? You can't just right. say, okay, many people are, are buying into this, you know, token, so that's why I'm going to do it as well. Yeah, it, it'll be better than that. Do you also invest in cryptocurrencies? A little bit. All right. Do you, do you, yeah, do you, buy, do you buy on the hype or what's your strategy? I'm very passive. You know, part of the reason is that I'm, I'm just too busy. I don't yeah. really have time to think about it carefully. Yeah, I understand that. So the last question of the day, but before I ask this question, I want to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you for explaining uh, scalability, Zilliqa, how it's going to handle this problem that everybody keeps talking about, scaling the blockchain. And thank you. Thank you, Matthew. I think it was a really wonderful conversation. Last question of the day. What three songs would you like with this interview? Three songs? Three songs, sir. That's, That's a tough question for me. I think I think we discussed actually a little bit with with the team, so you know the team has their picks. I think I'll just go with them. All right. So bad meets evil, fast lane. Okay. The chain smokers, something just like this, and then seven studer. How bad do we want it? All right, sounds good. Thank you very much, Doctor Dong, for coming on, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. 
I enjoyed this interview. It was very interesting to see the different solutions that people are coming up with to solve the scaling problem that Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash is having and ways to circumvent that debate. They're just not having it. They're making new public blockchains. If you were a little bit confused about some of the points in this episode, please don't forget to go check out the Douglas Pike interview, Bitcoin Scaling Debate. It's a couple episodes back in this podcast. A lot of great information there. I also want to say thank you to ApogeeCrypto.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com. The best place to check your real-time prices of your crypto assets. And finally, I want to say thank you to the Crypto 101 team. There's about 10 of us these days. There's the people who started from the beginning. Kyle, Ross, Elise, thank you. There's people who've been added later that help maintain the Facebook group, moderate it, and make it the community that it is. Mark, David, Jan, Gabe, thank you very much. There's the contributors that make podcasts with us. Danny from Decryptionary and Ronnie Rose, thank you very much. There's the editors that help us edit our podcasts, Dale and Harry, thank you very much. And anyone that I have missed, there's a lot of people who contribute to the Facebook page, do amazing things, do artwork for us, and just contribute to this community. Remember, we're all here because we want to get people into the community. So feel free to come on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, reach out to us directly and say, what's up? It is because we believe in a future with blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So again, thank you very much. I'm Matthew Aaron, and this is Crypto 101. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.